Hello, and welcome to another Eagle Data File from Where Eagles Dare, a look at past comic series from the new Eagle magazine of the 80s. My name's Peter, and for the next while my co-host David and I will be recapping two stories from the short-lived and much-loved UK horror comic Scream, as collected in our short series Scream and Scream Again. In this episode, Monster by John Wagner, writing as Rick Clark. From an outline by Alan Moore with art originally by Eagle regular Heinzel. Then, the remarkable Jesus Redondo, who carries the illustrative load for the rest of the story. Like Scott Goodall's The Brothers, which would debut in Eagle around the same time, Monster tells the story of a young boy forced to become keeper to a misshapen, bestial relative as they run across the countryside from authorities with mayhem and murder in their wake. So come with us on a journey of danger, discovery, and family secrets in Monster. Episode 1, Issues 1 to 4 Monster by Alan Bloody Moore Art by Heinzel Lettering by Paul Bensonberg Monster opens with a young boy of 12. His name is Kenneth Corman, and he's digging a grave for his father. Previous day, Kenny had been beaten by his surviving parent for snooping in their vast old family home which had been inherited by Kenny's late mother. Kenny had only wanted to know what caused the strange noises in the house, particularly the noises in the attic above his room. But after his beating, in the small morning hours, he hears his father ascending the stairs, muttering that he has to end it all, but bypasses the shiver in Kenny's room to the attic itself where there are sounds of a struggle, a scream, and sobs, and then silence. In the morning, Kenny finds his father dead, a great claw mark across his chest. So he affects a shallow grave, and alone climbs the stairs, shovel still in hand, to meet what's within the room, what's murdered his father. <laughs> the end of issue one. For monster now days yes from here things get a little bit complicated yes because alan moore is no longer writing monster mm. no it's done by rick clark who is john wagner mm -hmm. and art duties are taken over by jesus redondo and a sterling job he does of it too yes he does using the key prized from the dead man's stiffening hand kenny unlocks the door and inside the ramshackle attic crouches a monster Nothing more than a misshapen man dressed in filthy rags. He backs Kenny into a corner, grabbing his ankle, and in blind panic, Kenny swings his spade and knocks the creature out. In the quiet, he surveys the room. A rough pile of bedclothes in a corner, scraps in a dog bowl, and on a dusty mantel, a letter in his mother's handwriting, revealing the truth about the monster. He is your uncle, Terry. And now you must look after him. The letter tells Terry's story. He's Kenny's mother's younger brother, disfigured from birth and raised in hatred and secret by his parents. When they died, Terry's parents moved into the old house, and Terry's father finally learned of the family's secret, but resented Terry and treated him with the same cruelty, and so Terry's life was one of misery and ignorance until that fateful night his brother-in-law came to his room to end his life, and was killed by Terry instead. As Kenny reads, this creature begins to stir, but Kenny thinks fast, 
and cleans himself up and finds some real food for him, appeasing to the monster. He doesn't blame Terry. It must have been a misunderstanding. But as he offers a plate of food to the man, Terry grabs Kenny's neck. Yep. <laughs> the food calms him down, though, and in time, Kenny's able to talk to Terry. He explains that he's his friend. And a voice <laughs> comes from downstairs. It's Joe Thacker, some slimy acquaintance of Kenny's father, looking for money. He turns the place over, ransacking it, and then goes to Kenny's room and breaks his piggy bank. When the boy protests, he strikes him, and then a ragged black shape swoops in, knocking Thacker down, picking him up, and throwing him across the room. Kenny looks up <laughs> in shock. Uncle Terry, stop! You'll kill him! Next issue, another grave in the garden. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for lack of commentary, people, but this one rattles along as well. It feels very easy comic somehow. Yeah, um, Uncle Terry's not completely horrific. There's a sympathetic no. side to him. and In fact, back in the day, um, with a certain manic story, I made a comparison to um, to Uncle Terry's face mm. to uh, to Henry Boothby. <laughs> mm. uh, it, you know, there's a, there's a bit of a sort of a, a Charles Lawton Cosimoto mm -hmm. look to him. He's hunchbacked. He's got one big eye. You know, uh, a squint, mm. and, and, he's, and he's sympathetically misshapen rather than horrifically. Would it be fair to say that as the story goes on, we learn that the monster of the title isn't really Terry, but the world around him? Yeah, yeah, they do. But these early issues are interesting in the twists and turns. Obviously, we, we lose Alan Moore, and actually we lose mm. an important voice because Alan Moore opens in a very Alan Moore way. There's an awful lot of captioning and yes. not so much explaining the thoughts or explaining the story, but really, really setting the mood. And then that, that disappears once Wagner takes over. But the changes don't end there. When Terry grabs Kenny's neck, that panel had to be redrawn. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, it, and if you want to see the original, I think uh, you'll find it on John Freeman's Down the Tubes page, which we must look to mm. on the Facebook page. Right, okay. It is interesting because you, you do wonder, you assume that there was a a story bible or a, a, some sort of precy of the plot that more handed over, saying this is where it's going, because at the end of episode one, at the top of that stair could be anything, mm. really. Yeah. And it, but it's also very interesting when Redondo does the art. Kenny seems much, much younger, mm -hmm. and it makes it feel. And I certainly this in the best possible way, uh, especially with Wagner's involvement. A lot more girls comic here. You've got this younger child in peril. You've got this evil adult, dark family mystery. Kenny gets beaten up and throttled a lot, as we talk about. And it's all about moral dilemmas, and it's it's all about the feels of it, Peter. It, yeah, it it's is. about being in Kenny's head and what would you do in this situation it, it, it is, um, I think there's, there's maybe a little bit of competition between the Dracula file and Monster as to which is the most gothic of the stories mm. Dracula file is gothic in the horror sense, whereas Monster was gothic in the traditional romantic sense, you know there's the, mm. the, the sympathetic creature locked away in the attic. Sympathetic creature with the power to kill, let us not just Sweep it all of course, the but the sympathetic creature is emblematic of the dread family secret and mm. the key to the story. Whether it's Jane Eyre, spoilers, or, <laughs> or something else from that era. So, so Monster's one of the two stories that survives the passage to Eagle. It, it will be, but yeah, maybe we'll burn that bridge when we get to it. Sure, sure, indeed. All we know is, is Kenny has been forced to, you know, he's got a bit of a dangerous undertaking thrust upon him. <laughs> Episode 2, 
issues five to eight. And, and speaking of sympathy for the particular monster, yes. Yeah, and speaking of forces of nature. Monster by Rick Clark, that's John Wagner. Art by Jesus Redondo, letters by Pete Bensonberg. Newly orphaned Kenny Corman has discovered his family's dark secret. A misshapen man, his uncle Terry, kept prisoner in the attic of their old house. But just upon making the discovery, Joe Thacker, a ne'er-do-well acquaintance of Kenny's brutish father, has come snooping and strikes the boy before an enraged Terry comes into his nephew's rescue, thwacking Thacker into the floorboards and killing him outright. Realising he has to now protect his uncle, Kenny takes a terrified Terry outdoors into the overgrown garden to dig another grave. Among the trees, Joe Thacker is laid to a secret rest, and Kenny goes upstairs, introducing an alarmed Terry to the TV as he goes. TV is a childminder. <laughs> Where's that going to take you? In fact, it's the 80s. They could actually be watching Minder. <laughs> There's only one room for one monster in the story. Uncle Terry takes to tally almost immediately, but as he tidies the crime scene, Kenny sees a figure approaching the house. Mrs. Player, the social worker. Some quick thinking and quick talking about a wet floor and absent parents, okay in the 80s, sends her away. <laughs> hey, don't hate the player. <laughs> <laughs> but Kenny knows he has to make a decision. Either reveal the dark family secret and lose Terry forever, or they both have to go on the run. Night falls, and with it, torrential rain. As Kenny and Terry sleep in their beds, outside gutters and drains fill, rainwater bursting through the Victorian pipework under the house. The floodwaters quickly dislodging the new turned earth, disgorging mm. the bodies of Kenny's father and Joe Thacker. Wonderful sequence. <laughs> Grim and, and Moorish, I should say. Less, more Moorish than, than Wagner, actually. I Let's put a pin in that. <laughs> anyway, in his dreams, Kenny sees them shuffling towards the house. Open up, Kenny. Let us in. Kenny wakes screaming as his bedroom door is smashed open, but it's Uncle Terry coming to comfort him. Kenny decides to tell Terry his plan. They must escape. But as he looks out the window, he sees the dead bodies rising in the black mud. Kenny rushes out into the rain, the corpses floating upright in the mire, and he realises he can't rebury them. And he returns indoors, gathers the scattered remains of his piggy bank, Terry, and a couple of oil skins and ushers his uncle out of the house and away on the run. They pass the bodies with their dead accusing eyes and into the back lanes, hitching a lift on a passing lorry to Little Ransom, which is near Dilbury, apparently, finding shelter under a road bridge where other tramps slumber. Back at the house, dawn breaks, and Mrs. Player returns to find the bodies in the garden. The police take over and inspect the house, finding Terry's room and his sister's letter to Kenny. Suspecting foul play, they decide to turn the garden over in case Kenny's body is also there and hunt the beast responsible for the murders. Meanwhile, Kenny wakes from another nightmare of the bodies to find two tramps over him, riffling his clothing for cash. But as they threatened him, one of the tramps, Taffy, yes, <laughs> wakes Terry. Big mistake. The other tramps scatter as Taffy crumbles to the ground under Terry's blows. Back at the house, Inspector Halley examines the bodies. Kenny's father died of extensive chest injuries, while Joe Thacker of head injuries from Terry's thwacking. Fortunately, there's no sign of Kenny, and they deduce that the two left together. The police radio breaks the news of the tramps at Little Ransing, 
and when interviewed, the stricken Taffy describes Kenny and his hunchbacked protector. As Kenny and Terry reach a deserted hut with food and shelter, Kenny tries to convince Terry he can't keep killing those who threatened him. It's wrong. And a little rancing, the police send for tracker dogs. Oof. Mmm, nice escalation. Next time, monster sighting. <laughs> that was a really weird sequence with the bodies rising out of the grave. It's just... Mm. <laughs> But again, I, I even made that note. Was this more of an indication of how the story was intended initially? Because it, it does sort of stick out from the, the, the way the rest of the story goes. And the woke up and it was all a dream, but sort of played off pretty quickly after a really freaky cliffhanger. Mm. I mean, certainly for the moment, it's really, really sticking to its gothic roots. Mm. Gothic with a capital G, as, as I yep. discussed last episode. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I think the further we get away from the grim, dark house and the and the corpses, it becomes a kids on the run story. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. It's becoming more Wagner. Mm. But for that, I think the unquiet dead is probably my key moment of the month. While it's not a failing of the Dracula Files, you know what you're getting into there. Whereas mm. that's a complete left turn with Monster, mm. and 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 it has more shock value for it. Yeah. Episode three, issues nine. To 12. But speaking of being defined by the villainous monster, Peter. Monster by Rick Clark, John Wagner. Art by Jesus Redondo. Lettering by Pete Bentsburg. Fugitives young Kenny Corman and his monstrous Uncle Terry are hiding in a railway linesman cottage near Little Rouncing while a full scale police manhunt is on to find them. While Terry sleeps, Kenny finds a newspaper referring to a doctor in Scotland. Uh, specialising in the treatment of violent offenders. Oh, something that might help poor Terry, who is already killed in rage twice. They hear police dogs approach, and escaping the cottage, disappear behind an express train before their pursuers can catch up, and they steal aboard a lorry as it leaves the level crossing. Terry's never seen dogs before, uh, and he's never seen cars or a motorway before, and who knows where they're headed. But after an hour, they stop, and Kenny buys food at a local truck stop while Terry waits in worry. But oh no, Kenny spots the driver leave the stop too late, and the lorry leaves the Terry aboard. Kenny races to stop the lorry, but it's well clear. Then, an explosion of glass as a man is thrown through a plate glass window by Terry, confused and already looking for Kenny, so he wasn't on the truck. A greengrocer sits on him with a broom and is swept aside. Terry flings a fruit machine into the restaurant, and finally, Kenny catches up with him. Jackpot. Once again, they slip on board a lorry, bound this time for Aberdeen, and once more they flee a scene of utter destruction. Back at Little Rancing, the police work with tramps set on by Terry in the last episode, oh, so long ago, Dave. An identicate of Terry is made as reports come in of another sighting at the lay-by in Barngate on the M1. M is for mayhem. It all matches, and it seems the boy is in charge. Hallie, who is the inspector, fumes. How many more will be injured or dead before we can close this case and cage this beast? The Evening News reports it all accurately, mostly, and Inspector Hallie receives reports from all over the country of sightings of the monster, many of them bogus. Meanwhile, in another country, a lorry rolls into an Aberdeen goods yard. Oh, hang on, wait, no, no, hang on. The vote oh. didn't go that way, Peter. It's still Britain. Meanwhile, in another part of Britain, a lorry rolls into an Aberdeen goods yard and its driver and its mate at the yard discuss the day's news. Kenny and Terry 
quietly slip off the lorry's back and toward the yard gates, but find them locked. And they're discovered. The two men leave Kenny, but set on Terry with planks. We'll show you how we'll deal with monsters north of the border. Sorry, Philip. Um, <laughs> Actually, I was going to say, apart from the occasional beastie in Sassanac, those aren't the ethnic stereotypes that are so wrong in this story. Oh, no, the greengrocer was... Uh, yeah, I, I skipped past that day, but yeah, yeah the greengrocer is, is portrayed to be of the Asian persuasion. Yes. Anyway, swiftly moving on. Alas, Terry quickly gets the upper hand and fails his assailants. Kenny realises they have to reach Carmody, that's the doctor's home, on foot. That's about a hundred miles away. And they leave, and behind, the bodies of the two men are soon discovered. Kenny and Terry trudge on for miles on foot through the Inverness countryside and sleep in an old shepherd's lodge. There's no shepherd there, but Kenny is woken by a poacher armed with a shotgun and after the reward for the monster. Prodding Terry awake, the poacher gets more than he's bargained for, and there's another scuffle, and Kenny is shot in the arm by a stray bullet. Terry leaps on the poacher, and the man's end comes at his own weapon. Another murder. I think we should rename the strip, Oh No, Uncle Terry, Not Again. (laughs) (laughs) All together now! Oh no, Uncle Terry... They flee on the poacher's motorbike, but after some time Kenny's wound is raging and they have to stop at the gates of a very large property. Hopefully it's the doctor. Kenny collapses, and Terry carries him through, not able to read the sign, which says, Beware of the dogs. Two Dobermans leap up on the attack. And that is Monster for this month. Next time, dog fight. Although, I must admit, we now know who let the dogs out. Yes, Yes. Not a lot to say about it because it's all pumping along. One thing I think we need to probably pin for the end of the episode is man, Scream is dense. Craggy. Yes, it is. Most stories are about four pages long. Mm. Everything is packed in. We're going to see this as we as we continue through these, these issues, folks. I must admit, though, there is one bit of dialogue I did love in this story. The walking about, as any good Scotsman would, walking several hundred miles... Um, and Terry goes, have we done it? Are we there yet? And it's like, yeah. no, we haven't We haven't got 100 feet. Terry only got... Got... Two. Ha, ha, how many feet Terry got? Yeah. <laughs> it was probably painting it a little on a little thick, but, you know, oh, Uncle Terry, not again. <laughs> Episode 4, Issues 13 to 15. Speaking of detestable horrors, that joke being one. Ah, the next story is Monster by Rick Clark. You're not fooling anybody, John Wagner. Art by Jesus Redondo. Lettering by Pete Bensberg. Mm-hmm. Young Kenny Corman and his disfigured and mentally challenged hulking Uncle Terry are on the run and seeking a doctor in Cromarty to treat Terry. They've chanced across a large garden where the wounded Kenny can rest. But entering the grounds, Terry is attacked by two Dobermen and struggles to fight them off before they're called off by their owner, Mrs. McCrone, a blind woman <laughs> who feeds them and muses on Terry's appetite. Because we've not read Frank the Sline, have we? No, 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 no. Well, put a pin in it. Uh, and his appetite and his eating manners as he polishes off a plate of scones. But when Kenny follows her into the kitchen to help clean up, he discovers her on the phone reporting them to the police. He's shouting at the woman 
and the noise draws in Terry, who makes to kill Mrs. McCrone until it's Kenny's turn to call his creature off and save her life. And all together now, dear listeners. No, oh no, Uncle, Uncle Terry, Terry, not again. There's going to be a lot of it this month. <laughs> Nevertheless, the two must flee and make off on the motorbike just as the police arrive, spotting their escape. There's a chase, and the police make to cut them off. Kenny cuts a corner, and the bike skids off the road. The two fall, and Kenny is knocked cold. As the policemen approach, Terry attacks them, throwing one and tipping the other in his car down a bank. Dear win. But Kenny wakes and scolds his uncle. Uncle Terry, what's pointing going on with our journey when you keep doing things like that? I told you, no more killings. The bikes are right off, and they head off on foot, Terry seeming to take possibly too much pleasure in the fun of kill, kill, run, run, plenty fun. Terry does Einstein special. (laughs) (laughs) Both policemen fortunately do recover, uh, and they radio base. Later, in a cold, heavy drizzle, Terry and Kenny reach the coast. Cromarty is still out of reach. But then Kenny spots a nearby fishing village. Could they sail there? As they make their way to the village, which is called Strather, Inspector Halley is at the scene of the downed panda car and quickly puts the pieces together. Both cops are alive, but Terry's violent scorecard reads five dead, and Halley wants the monster, as he's now calling them, back. Back in Scarther, though, Kenny approaches some local fishermen with money to hire a boat, but nobody will sail in this weather. And worse, Terry's been recognised, because Halley has made sure his likeness is known across the entire district. The result is inevitable, although Kenny does his level best to prevent Terry's deadly score increasing, threatening ultimately their own friendship, just as Terry is about to club a fisherman to death with an oar. The police (laughs) arrive just then. And she was really unimpressed. (laughs) Terry and Kenny leg it to the nearest boat. If they won't rent us a boat, we'll just have to take one. Next week, swim? Why swim? We continue our naughty, naughty nautical theme. Yes, <laughs> uh, but that's Monster. Um, I detect a real shift in, as I sort of described before, Terry's starting to like the killing a little bit much, and I mm. I wonder, if this had been an Alan Moore storyline, where would this have gone from here? But it's John Wagner. Um, and we will see where it goes, of course, because Monster will have a second life. I have to really be honest, I found it really hard to get into Monster. I don't know why. It's the melodrama of it, perhaps. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But once they're sort of out of the house and, and littlest hoboing their way across the countryside, yep. it doesn't seem to grab me as much as 13th Floor or Dracula File or, or The Nightcomers, even. Mm, that's fair enough. It's not so much, a, it's not a horror. It's horrible. There's a monster in it, mm. but it doesn't have that horror edge, which is probably why it's perfect to transition into Eagle. But again, we've also got this other situation. We have characters, and they have a story, and it's got legs. It doesn't stop easily at the end of an issue. There's always something happening. Yeah, okay, maybe the problem is that, as you say, once they leave the house, the whole backstory of Terry's family is gone. Mm. And, and Kenny's family they're just two other victims at the, at the beginning of the story and it's about Kenny and Terry but I have hope that this relationship and Terry's change might be enough to sort of keep us going but I don't know we'll, we'll see I do vaguely remember it all from the days of Eagle and I don't I'm not saying it's bad don't get me wrong but it's the one I'm least engaged in which is mm. very surprising I find 
Well, of course, in the pages of Eagle, we've got something a little bit similar going on with the brothers. So, uh, yeah, but even there, because it's a freak accident in the brothers and Eagle, the monster has reverted from being a normal boy. Terry is a figure of real, you know, people with deformities were locked in the attic. Mm. It's not that, you say, all Victorian times. No, yeah. there were places you'd send relatives right into the 60s. You know, it's... <laughs> this concludes the episodes for Scream, but do check out our episodes of Scream and Scream again for more discussion with our special guests. And if you want to follow the story further, be sure to listen to Where Eagles Dare, episodes 40 onwards, where the 13th floor and monster have their new home. In the meantime, you've been listening to the Eagle Data File for Where Eagles Dare. If you'd like to follow us or get in touch, you can find Where Eagles Dare on Facebook and at sofagedon.wordpress.com. We're on Twitter at sofagedon, and you can email us at sofagedon at gmail.com. This has been a Sofagedon production. Thank you for listening. Sweet dreams.